0: Father in heaven, thank you Lord for your great love displayed to us, given to us shown to us through the cross where your son, the Lord Jesus Christ was taken up on a hillside called Calvary and there he was crucified between two criminals to display your love for your people Lord, how do we respond? How can we respond? The only thing we know to do, Lord, is to to love you, to trust you, to obey you, to study your word, to live a life of sacrifice, to live a life of worship to you, the risen Lord. Lord, we commit this time of study in your word to you to your honor to your glory it's not about us it's not about our church it's about you and your word Father we love you we praise you let this sacrifice of praise rise to your throne and be acceptable before your sight Lord let it come from our hearts that love you that worship you and trust you Oh God, thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Amen, you may have a seat. So please turn in your Bibles this morning to 1 John chapter 3. And we're looking at the last half of the chapter. Um, and the, uh, the title of my message is the, Evidence, the Evidences of the Father's Love, part 2. So let's read, let's read the first three verses to get our minds going in the right direction. First John chapter three, verses 11 through 13. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren, and he who does not love abides in death. Again, I began this message three weeks ago Uh, Evidence of the Father's Love in Our Life, uh, part one. Today is part two. But I had multiple titles I was going to give this message. I chose Evidence of the Father's Love based on chapter three, verse one, where if you look in chapter three, verse one, it says, See how great the the love the Father has bestowed upon us. So I based the title of my teaching on verse one. But this message could equally be called Evidences of Faith. Evidence that you are truly born again. Evidence that the love of God is living inside of you. You see, when you become a Christian, a change takes place. Some of us is instant, miraculously, praise the Lord. And some of us, like me, it grows over time. It grows over time through discipleship, through going to church, through reading the word, through uh, studying the word and being in fellowship and growing in the word. So we all grow at different rates, but these are evidences that you are truly born again and that the father's love is in your soul. So, uh, last week, or excuse me, three weeks ago, when I taught on first John chapter three, verses one through 10, we looked at the first three evidences. The first three evidences I'll, I'll bring back to your memory was, uh, Number one, the world does not recognize us because we live differently. We live by a different standard than the world. Number two, we long for his return. We look for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the Christians that are born again, they long for that. They look forward to that day when we no longer live by faith, but we will see him as he is when he splits that eastern sky. The third one, which was a lot of verses one through 10, I believe it was around verses four through 10 of this chapter, we saw that uh, evidence of the Father's love is that you pursue holiness, okay? If you're born again and the Holy Spirit's dwelling inside of you, you will be growing in holiness. Or, there will be, or at least there will be this deep desire within your soul that says, man, I wanna be like the Lord. You'll, they'll, they'll, you'll understand your sin, you'll understand the struggle, you'll understand the battle, and you will long to pursue him and grow in your pursuit of holiness. So today, we're continuing, picking it up at verses, verse 11, looking at the evidence of the Father's love, and many of these uh, points, which I got about seven or eight of them, many of these points will center around, you ready for this? How we treat each other how we treat each other. You can see the evidence of the father's love that you're born again by the way we treat one another. These are evidences of our Christianity. So without further ado, take a look at verse 13, oh, excuse me, verse 11. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should, here it is guys, what does it say? Love one another. The fourth evidence in this chapter that we're studying, this fourth evidence that you are born again and the Father's love dwells in, inside of you is this. You love the body of Christ. You love Christians. Man, they're, 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 if, if they are acting right and doing right and walking in the spirit and being born again, they will be refreshing to your soul. You know, when I come to church on Sunday mornings and as, as, as a pastor and as David before, I need our interaction. I need our fellowship. I need your love. You need my love. We need each other's love. Because that's what the body does. We, we, we love one another. Jesus said in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, so also you must love one another. How did Christ love you? It's not just this uh, uh, sensual, worldly, sensual love that, that Christ loves you. He loves you. He he showed his love for you by going to the cross. That's the definition of love. He went to the cross. It was not a squishy, sensual love, but it was a perfecting, holy love. He knew what you needed most. The love of the Father. The love of God that would bring forgiveness of sin. And he did that at the cross cross. And our love, you know, God's love is high, holy, it's supernatural, it's above and beyond our, what we can imagine or think. Whatever you think the love of God is, it's a million times greater. But, but, but his love filters down in us and through us. And our love is characterized, Christian's love, not the world's love. A Christian's love is characterized by sacrifice, by sacrifice, we want the best for each other. Man, I want the best for you, okay? I want the best for you. In the same way a parent wants the best for their child. I want the very best for the people that I minister to. I'm going to give you 150% from this pulpit and from this church to minister to you and to help you grow and blossom as a born-again Christian and live in freedom and walk in liberty and walk in grace and to be filled with the Spirit. You know, our love is characterized by sacrifice. We long, the Christian love, God's love, loves to see people come to know Christ and to live for Him. That's love, my friend. Love looks at a friend and speaks the truth. Love cares. Love is compassionate. Love does not condemn when a brother or sister is caught in the act of sin, we don't condemn them, we point them to Jesus. We point them to the Lord. We point them to grace. We point them to repentance. We point point them to yielding to the Lord and getting it right with God. Because if they get it right with God, it doesn't matter what our relationship is like, it's what their relationship with the Lord is like. Then he's gonna give us a negative illustration. Look at verse 12. Verse 12, he says, Not as Cain, who was of the evil one, and who slew his brother. For what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil, and his brothers were righteous. What is John saying to us this morning? What is the Spirit-inspired Scripture saying to us? Don't be like Cain. Don't be like Cain. Why did Cain kill his brother? I believe it's back in Genesis chapter 4. Why did he kill his brother? It says it right there in verse 12. It says... Because he was of the evil one, and his deeds were evil. You see, Cain loved sin. Cain loved sin, and he hated righteousness. Okay? So what does that tell us about the evidence of the Father's love in our life? What what is the opposite of that? What is the opposite of what Cain exhibited? That shows the fruit of salvation, the, the love of the Father is simply this, that as a Christian, man, we love righteousness. We love righteousness. We are not like Cain. You and I love righteousness, and we, we don't do it out of a legalistic, religious point, standpoint, but we place God first in life. We place God first. Every time I call Stephanie James, and she doesn't answer, I get her voicemail, and if you ever call Stephanie James and get her voicemail, at the end of her voicemail, she'll always say, keep Christ first. But that's what we're called to do because we love righteousness. We seek to obey the Lord. And Christians, we, we struggle with temptation. We wrestle with sin at times. But overall, there is a hatred. Let me repeat that. There is a hatred in our hearts for darkness yeah, we fight with it, we wrestle with it, we war against it, and hopefully we're winning most of the battles. But in our soul, in our heart, there's this hatred. I'm done with sin. I can't stand it. I try to run from it. Is the heart of the believer. How do we do that? By doing what we're doing right now, getting in the Word and saying, Lord, I surrender to you today, afresh and anew. Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, please come and help me in my war against sin because we're not like Cain. Our deeds are, uh, our, our heart, we long for righteousness. He continues, look at verse 13, our next verse. He says, do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. Got to stop right there. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you is what John's telling us here. You see, when you place God first and you obey him, the ungodly world is not going to applaud you. They're not going to say, yay, you're a Christian now. You're loving Jesus and you're loving righteousness. No, they're not going to do that. They're going to despise you. When you start telling people that they need to repent, they will be like Cain. And they will despise you. Jesus said in John 15, verses 18 through 19, words of the Lord Jesus Christ, the evening before he was crucified, upper room with his disciples, his, his lengthy discourse, John chapter 14 through John 18. In John 15 he says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you were not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. That is not the world, that's the ungodly world, okay? Not all of civilization hates Christians. It's the darkness, the ungodly, sinful, fallen world, that despises the believer, because you do not approve of their sinful choices. is why they despise you. They will call you a fool. They will call you a Bible thumper. They will call you a Jesus freak. And uh, see, we've been born again, and this causes us to hate sin and to love righteousness family i don't know about you but our world is spiraling our culture is rapidly changing things are rapidly changing at lightning speed the direction the culture is going into and what god needs from you and me is christians who live these principles out that we're studying this morning Do you have them all together? Are they all perfect in your life? I doubt it. They're not all perfect in my life. And there's areas of my life as I was studying this passage, I was like, Lord, please help me grow in this area. Please help me grow in this area. But this is what the world needs to see in our lives. Let's continue, verse 14. It says that we know that we have passed, beautiful, beautiful verse. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love their brethren. He who does not love abides in death. One of the greatest evidences that you are born again, that you have gone from death to life, is that you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a deep love. It's a deep love. It's a passionate love that cannot be broken. Our bond of love Cannot be broken, okay? Let me, re- let me repeat that because I'm going f- to f- talk about a couple of cultural things. Our love, our bond of love together, not just the Christians in this room, but all Christians, all believers in Christ. Um, our love cannot be broken. There are so many divisive issues today. The mask. The top two, of course, is what everybody's talking about, is the mask and, and the vaccinations. First off, let me say this. If you wanna wear a mask, God bless you brothers and sisters. Please wear a mask. That is completely your decision. And we respect your decision and we love you. Whether you wear a mask or don't wear a mask. Whether you take the vaccination or you don't take the vaccination. We're not letting little beans separate us, okay? We're not, letting, we're not letting secondary stuff separate us because we are bound together by the love of Christ. And nothing can break that. And nothing uh, with masks or, or vaccinations or everything else that's going on will not break our love. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of misinformation. I posted this on Facebook this week. There's a lot of misinformation going around in our culture right now, especially on social media when it comes to these things of the mask and the vaccinations. Our position, my position, Calvary Chapel's position is this, when it comes to mask and it comes to vaccinations. It is a personal choice and it is a personal decision. Listen to some key words here. A personal choice, a personal decision that you have to make for yourself and we will support you and love you in whatever decision uh, and choice you make for yourself. It's your decision. It's your decision. And, and, and we love you. We love you. Whatever decision you choose to make. We, Calvary Chapel Irmo, I can only speak for our church in this part, is Calvary Chapel Irmo, we are not a political party. Okay? We're not a political party. We are not woke. I don't even like that word. We are not woke. We... At Calvary Chapel Irma, I can say this. We are the spiritual body of Christ in the earth. And we love people deeply. And we will let nothing come between brothers and sisters in Christ. Because we're gonna spend eternity together. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So we can't, we're united. There's no fractions here. And by the way, I'm the pastor. I get all the texts, I get all the phone calls. Uh, I hear the conversations going on here and there. I'm telling you, right there, there is no issue, issue at Calvary Chapel Irmo because everybody loves one another. There's been no disputes. There's been no fights. There's been no disagreements. There hasn't been not one division. Not one person has left because of one of these issues going on in the culture. And the reason that is is because we stick with scriptures and we stick with the word of God. And according to verse 14 in our verse five verse study this morning, we love one another. We have passed from death to life and we don't let little stuff separate us. We love each other deeply. I love you, you love me, we love each other. You know, we come and get your love tank filled on Sunday morning from your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's continue, verse 15. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. The sixth evidence, and I'm gonna go, go over all these at the very end in case you missed one, but number six, there was three last week, we're continuing this week, but number six is this. For the believer, there's no room for hate. No room for hate. Hate has no place in the heart of the believer. Um, notice what John does in this verse. What John does in this verse, he ties hatred to murder. I wonder why. Why does he tie hatred to murder? Mm, Anybody ever heard of the Sermon on the Mount? On the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, uh, uh, is in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, he who hates his brother without cause is what? In danger of judgment, is guilty of murder. See, God doesn't just look at our outward action. He looks at the heart. He looks at the heart, and he says that Hatred towards someone is the same as murder. Hatred has no place in our hearts. There's no situation where we should hate someone. I don't care how wretched, how vile, how depraved someone or something is. We love them and we share the gospel with them. And we come alongside people, and we help them, and we love them in the spirit of Christ, and along with bringing the gospel. But there's no room for hate. That's, that's a, isn't, that, isn't that just a, a, a blessing to know that as you grow in your relationship with Christ, as you grow in your walk with the Lord, He is going to grow you in the area of love. But back before I was a Christian, Man, I was the most judgmental person on earth. I judged everybody. I sized them up from top to bottom. I already had their profile in my mind. Before I knew anything about them, I I judged them and had them in a category in my brain. But after I became a Christian, that judgmental spirit left. That judgmental spirit left, and I see all people, all men, women, young and old, all people, As people that are created in the image of God and people that Jesus died to save. There's no room for hatred. None. Matter of fact, it's a a sign that you're you're in darkness, that that a person is in darkness when there's this overwhelming hatred and anger um, towards someone. Let's continue. Verse 16. Verse 16, he says. We know this, <clears throat> excuse me, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Again, this takes me back to the evening before his crucifixion in John chapter 15, verse 12 through 13, where Jesus told his disciples, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than he lay down one's life for his Friend. Family, I'm, I'm just grabbing every verse here. I'm grabbing every verse, and, I, and I'm looking at the thesis of the verse. I'm looking at the the, the what's, what's the verse saying, and this brings me to my seventh evidence of the Father's love and that you're truly a believer. Is this there is a willingness in our in us that we lay our life down for each other. We see a brother or sister in need, and there's this desire within us. To go and meet that need, to meet that need and to come alongside them and help them and, and, to, and to lay our life down, do whatever it takes to help them. Jesus loved you and I by laying his life down. You know, uh, I think about Jesus going to Calvary in chains. What was it? What was it that kept him bound? Was it the chains that took him to the to the hill of Calvary? or was it his love for you and me? It was his love for you and me. As he laid down his life, Jesus was 100% God, 100% man, and in his humanity, in his physical being, he suffered greatly for our salvation. He laid down his physical life for you and me. And now, you and I, get to lay down our lives. We get to do whatever it takes to help other people around us come to know Christ. That could be simply as taking a meal to someone and loving on them and praying for them. It could be visiting someone in the hospital. It could be uh, serving in the church, serving the children, serving in the community. It could be uh, getting up 30 minutes early to pick someone up for church. And what we do in all those Things that we do in this life, we use those as opportunities to share the gospel by laying our life down, carving part of the time of our schedule and our day to help other people come to know the Lord with a meal, a hospital visit, serving in the community, serving in the church or inviting someone to church, picking them up, bringing them, helping them. You know, let's let's, let's um, let our faith be seen. Let's let our faith be seen. In our community, so we, we lay our lives down <clears throat> for each other, and if we see a brother in need, you know, or if there, we know a need, please let us know, and if we are able, we will come alongside and help in every way possible. Verse seventeen, verse seventeen. Another one, another principle, another evidence of the Father's love. Look at it, see if you see it as we go as a, as I read the verse, and then I'll give you the evidence. Verse 17, but whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? What he's saying there is if the love of God truly abides in you, this will be evident in our life. And that eighth evidence of the Father's love is this, we use our resources to help each other. I repeat, number the eighth evidence of the Father's love is we use our resources in our life to help other people. Why does God God bless us with material possessions? And I believe He does. I believe everything that I have, every dollar I have, every physical material blessing the Lord has given me, I believe it comes from Him. But why does God bless us with material possessions? Why does he bless us with a pay raise? Why does he bless us with money? Why does he bless us with material wealth? Is it so we can get rich, get rich and live our best life now? No. It's so that we can be a blessing to others. That's why God gives you what you have. So you can take inventory of what you have in this life and use those resources Take care of yourself, pay your electric bill, pay your house, take care of the family, you know, take the wife out to dinner and and make sure you have things for life. But then take your resources and bless people in in the name of the Lord. Help people in time of need when they're struggling. And most likely it'll come back to you. You know, there's nothing sinful, I repeat, there's nothing sinful with having plenty of money or material possessions, it all comes down to what we do with our wealth. And, 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 and that we, we need to be good stewards of what the Lord has given us and make sure we don't place our material possessions above the Lord. He needs to be first in everything. You know, Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, God is dead, you will be saved. When we confess that Jesus is Lord, we're saying, Lord, you have dominion over my life. And, and, you know, and, and, I, and I tell the Lord Lord you have dominion over my life over my family, over my children over my home, over everything I have Lord, take complete dominion and lordship of my life verse 18 verse 18, little children let us not love with word or tongue but in deed and truth again the ninth evidence, the final one this morning uh, is in verse 18 the ninth evidence is this we love with our actions. We love with our actions. And again, I said in the very beginning of my teaching that all of these um, principles, all these evidences, all center around our relationship with each other. Okay? But this one is we love with our actions. Uh, Paul said in 1 Timothy 6.18, let them do good, that they be rich in good works and ready to to, to give, willing to share That's first Timothy chapter six, verse 18, but we love with our actions. We love with how we live this life and, and how we treat others. You know, what are you doing with your faith? Okay. What are you doing with your faith? Some people like to say, well, that's a faith thing. This is a life thing. That's not what the Bible talks about. Our, our life is our faith. Our faith is our life. There are they're intertwined, they are put together. Are we living out our faith? Are we living out our faith? Or is just our faith in our head, in our heart, okay? For some of us, it's that way. But our faith needs to come out of our heads, out of our heart, and manifested in the way we live. Faith is lived out. Faith is lived out in our deeds, by giving, by sharing, by loving, and by helping. Not, not only do we talk it, and not only do we believe it, but we live it out. We live out our faith. In other words, the, the evidence of our Christianity should be witnessed by our loved ones, by our friends, and by our family in the way that we treat them. And what we do with our life and how we live, and how we talk, and how we interact with people at work. See, Christianity affects everything. Your home, your family, your work. It affects everything. It's an all-consuming thing. I, I was uh, studying this, this verse this week, and old James, oh, the, brother, the half-brother of Jesus, he gives us a gut punch. He gives us a gut punch when it comes to l- loving with our actions. In James chapter 2 verses 14 through 17 James says this. This is a gut punch. It was a gut punch for me anyway. He says, what does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them depart in peace be warm and be filled but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus, our beloved brother James says, also, faith by itself does not have works. It is dead. See, real faith, genuine trust, genuine belief in Christ, in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and in the word of God, and trusting in the Lord, it will impact the way you live. It will impact the way you interact with people. This is not Christianity light, okay? This is the truth of scripture that God commands his children to live out what they believe. And we have to love with our actions. Again, whether it's taking someone a meal or meeting with someone at Panera Bread to have a conversation and some prayer or um, going to see someone in the hospital or if you want to go with us this Saturday to the Bryan Center Nursing Home, we're meeting right here at the church at 1240 for a quick prayer. Then we'll be at the Bryan Center Nursing Home at 1 o'clock. Max will, Max will be there. 45 minutes to an hour. But we're going to go love on these senior citizens outdoors. We're going to sing some songs. Denise Simpson is going to lead us in a couple choruses on our acoustic guitar. And then Brother Andy is going to bring a devotional. And we're just going to love on them. Because that's our deeds, that's our actions, that's our faith being manifested in the community. That's not just one way. You can go to a life group. You can go to a life group, which, by the way, they started last Sunday. They were a huge success. I heard, and we'll we'll do them again next Sunday. But go to a life group, being encouragement, be, be an encouragement to a brother or sister in Christ. You know, um, help people, love people pray for people. Let's let our words and actions be seen in how we live. Let us, as verse 18 says, not love with word or tongue, but in deed and truth. Let's continue. Verse 19. Verse 19, he says, let's read verses 19 through 21. We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our hearts before him in whatever our heart condemns us, For God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before the Lord. What John is saying here in these statements is that we can know, you can know that you are saved and you can have assurance of salvation if you see the evidences of these things in your life there or growing. In that direction. That you see yourself longing for holiness. You see yourself wanting to press forward. You see yourself moving forward. You see yourself pressing in. He's saying, these things we can have confidence and we can have assurance. See, many people base their salvation on their 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 the the strength of their mental ascent to truth. Well, I believe, I believe. But the scripture says that the evidence and the assurance of salvation is not in the intensity of our belief, but in the fruit of our faith. Jesus said what? You will know them by what? You will know them by their fruit. You will know them by their fruit. And again, the Christian is is moving forward. He's moving forward in his walk. And he's, he's bringing these evidences. And when, and when we see the evidence of growing, of pushing forward, of, of seeking discipleship, of, of seeking counsel, uh, of just wanting to move forward, that is a great place to be. That is a great place to be. It's when, it's when you when you're struggling and you know you're struggling. And you're like, Pastor, I need help. Brother, I need help. Sister, I need help. That's a great place to be. That's the Holy Spirit at work in your heart, pushing you forward. Pushing you forward so that you can grow in your faith. Those are the evidences. Let's finish up this passage and we'll summarize it. Verse 22, he says, And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Family, when we, keep, when we keep his word, when we keep his word and we live to please him, what's this verse saying? We can have confidence. We can have confidence in our prayers and that our prayers are heard. Did you know for the Christian, every single prayer is answered? Every single prayer by the believer is answered. He answers every single one. Either yes, no, or wait. He answers yes, because it is his will. And it is because it is his will, and you ask for it, he gives it. He answers no, if it's not his will. Or sometimes, he'll, he'll say no, if it's not his will, or if you're asking with the wrong motives. And then the third response is wait. God says, I want want you to wait. I want you to take this opportunity that you're seeking me to continue seeking me, to grow, okay? Let this build endurance. Let this build strength. Let this build stamina in your life. So God answers every single prayer with yes, no, or wait. But that's the confidence the believer can have, okay? God hears your prayer. God hears your prayer. Don't ever think for a moment that God does not hear your prayer. He hears your prayer. It's just up to his sovereign will whether he says yes, no, or wait. But know that he hears your prayer and he answers our prayers. You know, we've experienced that lately with COVID and people getting sick and praying for people and people coming out of the sickness. And we give all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise to the Lord Some people I know in this body has gotten COVID and we prayed for them and bam, they came right out of it. Some other believers, we prayed for them to come out of COVID and it took a while. And God used those times to grow us in our faith, to grow us in our trust. And we have to accept God's sovereign will. And we have to understand that we pray. And because we pray, God answers But we have to understand that he knows what is best. And he will hear and answer every single prayer. Look at verse 22 again. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Things that are according to his will. Verse 23. Let's finish up this chapter. Verse 23 says, this is is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Just as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commandment abides in him and he in him. We know by this that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. This, my friends and family, if you're, if you're taking notes, verse 23 and 24, <clears throat> this is where the love of the Father comes from. This is how, the, this is the foundation of the love of the Father. This is where the, the bedrock of where the love of the Father operates when we do these three things. In verse 23, what does he say? Believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. What does it mean to believe in the name of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ? It does not mean just a mental assent uh, to, that, that Jesus exists and then you continue on in life. It means that you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation It means that you repent and you turn from your sins and you put your your trust in Christ, that you believe in his death on the cross, that you believe in his resurrection, and you believe it for your life. You believe it for your life. He died on the cross for Jeremiah, and Jeremiah understands that. He rose from the grave specifically for Jeremiah, and Jeremiah understands that and believes that truth okay he's experienced salvation because not only does he believe it but he trusts it. and then in verse 24 he says the one who keeps his commandments what's the opposite of keeping his commandments it's disobeying the lord when i see this phrase in here the one who keeps his commandments john is talking about the person who has authentically said lord i am done with sin Please forgive me. I confess it to you, and I turn from sin. I repent, and Lord, I used to love the world. I used to love my sin. Now I no longer love sin, now I no longer love the world, but I love God's commandments. They're refreshing to my soul. They're refreshing to my heart. This is the bedrock of the love of God in our lives, that we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that we keep his commandments. And look at the end of verse 24. I would be remiss not to mention this. He says, the NASB says, the one who keeps his commandment abides in him and he in him, and here it is. We know by this that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the Holy Spirit if you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you have been born again, you have the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. He's given you his spirit and that the work of the spirit changes our hearts. Uh, he changes our hearts over a period of time where we, we, we leave the things of this world and we grow, grow closer to the things of the Lord. And we desire intimate fellowship. The, the, number one, um, the, top jo- the number one job of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is to magnify Christ. is to, to take from heaven, from the throne of heaven, the glories of the Lord Jesus Christ and to make them manifested in the life of the believer. I'm praying about this and I, I feel very confident in saying this. Um, come January we're going to uh, do an 8 week study could be longer than that I'm, th- I'm planning for 8 weeks right now we're going to do a, an 8 week in depth study on Wednesday nights on the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the life of the believer starting in January um, when you come to church on Wednesday nights we'll be here in the sanctuary and we're going to look specifically for 8 straight weeks on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I don't think all believers understand everything the Scripture says about the Holy Spirit. And at Calvary Chapel, we're going to dive into it. We're going to talk about the personality of the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to talk about everything that the Scripture talks about the Holy Spirit so that we can fully understand and grasp and live the Spirit-filled life, okay? I think that will bring a lot of victory in your life. You know, there's this balance of of being filled and yielded to the Holy Spirit and being filled and yielded to the Word of God. And when you bring those two together, uh, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit and the life of the believer, watch out because hell's gonna tremble, okay? And you're going to walk in victory when you're filled and yielded to the Spirit and and you understand everything the Scripture says about the Holy Spirit and you're yielded to the Word of God. But I close with this with a summary. These that we've looked at are the evidences of Christianity. Everything that we've looked at in this chapter, these are the evidences of Christianity. These are the evidences, should be up on the screen, of the love of the Father. Where do you stand Where do you stand, brothers and sisters? Look at them. Look at them closely. Do you live differently than the ungodly world around you? Based on verse one. You know, there's a separation. You know, Christians do not live like the ungodly world. We live for the Lord. We live for God and not for the sinful pleasures of this world. Christians, according to verse two, we long for his appearing. Do you look forward to that day? That one day he will come again. It'll be it'll, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. The rapture, First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 through 18, if you want to read about it more. But one day he will come again, and we long for his appearing. I long for the day where, man, all this, the battles and the struggles and the fight with sin will be over, because I'll see my Lord Jesus face to face, and I'll have this new glorified body. Wow, that's going to be awesome. It's going to be better than any superhero you've seen on TV. We pursue holiness. Do you pursue holiness? Notice I said pursue, okay? We're all at different stages of growing. Some of us are early on. Some of us are a little more seasoned and progressed. But are you desiring holiness? Are you pursuing in holiness? This is evidence. This is another evidence. Do you love the body of Christ? Verse 11. Do we love the body of Christ? Man, let's love one another. Let's love one another, and let's let nothing come between us, okay? Remember that next time you have a sharp disagreement or something's going on with another believer. Let's love one another. Let's remember the words of Jesus and let that compel us to love. We love righteousness. You know, we're not like Cain. We're like Abel. You know, our deeds aren't evil. We're not of the wicked one. We've been filled with the Spirit. And we love righteousness. We love righteous living. We love righteous living. And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart when I see a believer falling away, living according to the world's standards. It breaks my heart. I'm not judgmental. I pray for them. Lord, please help my brother Bob see the error of his ways. I made up that name. That's nobody in Pacific. <laughs> uh, Leroy, but help my brother who's, who's fallen away. Because we love righteousness. We love to see the righteousness manifested in the body of Christ. There's no room for hate, period, end of story. That's an easy one. We don't hate. We don't hate no one. We don't even hate our enemies. Jesus said we, 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 um, we pray for our enemies, and we, we love those who persecute us. No room for hate are you willing to lay your life down for each other are you willing to lay your life down for each other this is evidences of christianity this is evidences of the father's love you know um we're, we're a small body growing but if if, if a need arises and it's brought to my attention i'll bring it to the leaders and we'll do our very best we'll get, we'll give it a go and see how we can and help someone in time of need Give of our time, our resources. Do we use our resources to help others? Do you support your church? Do you support missionaries? Do you support people in need? Um, your home, not just, not just finances, your home. Use your home as a place to get together with another brother or sister in Christ and have a Bible study. You know, um, drive your vehicle and go to a, um, a, a conference. You know, Use your resources Use the things that you have in this life to help other people. And then finally, based on verse 18, summary up there, yeah, is we love with our actions. Our Christianity needs to be visible. And when our Christianity is visible, that alone will be a testimony to the world. And a lot of times, people are won over to Christ. People are open okay? People are open to hearing you share the gospel with them because of a deed or an action that you have done to them or for them. Sometimes we have to soften it. We have to show people we love them. We have to show people we care for them. We have to do good deeds and good actions in in this day and age so that they'll open their hearts to our message that Jesus loves them and that Jesus died for them. That's the evidence of Christianity. If you're here today and you're not sure that that you're a believer or you want to make sure, it's simple. It's, it's, It's a simple process, but it can be difficult. It's simply this, repent and believe the gospel. Repent means turn from the old life, turn from sin, turn from violating his law violating his commandments turn away from living in rebellion and put your trust in Christ okay we're not asking you for no money we're not asking you to join the church membership role if there was one because there isn't one but we're asking you to put your trust in Christ and when you put your trust in Christ and you surrender your life to him and you say Holy Spirit please come into my life Lord Jesus please come into my life when you do that he will begin He will begin the process of manifesting that list in your life. What are you waiting on? Put your trust in Christ. He loves you. He died for you. You know, um, when a child asks a parent, Mom, Dad, how much, Mom, Grandma, Grandpa, how much do you love me? What does the grandparent or the parent say? I love you this much. And they stretch out their arms. That's how we tell our kids we love them. God, 2,000 years ago, did the same thing, except he stretched his arms out on a cross to display his love for you. Romans chapter five, verse eight says, God demonstrates his own love for us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Open your heart to him and begin the new life of faith in Christ and growing in the evidences of the father's love. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, we, um, these things that we've talked about, help us to grow in these areas. Holy Spirit, we ask you specifically, Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, grow us in these areas of our life. Father, let them not be done of the flesh, but let them be done of the Spirit. Let them be, let them come from a heart that genuinely loves you and pursues you with all their heart. And Father, if there be anyone here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that today will be the day of salvation, that they'll, they'll turn from the old life, turn from sin, and put their trust in you, Lord Jesus. We love you, and we praise you, Amen. and we thank you for the Sunday service. And Lord, I thank you specifically for bringing me back church this Sunday. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray, Lord God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the study. Now help us to grow. In your awesome name we pray. Amen.